woke up this morning and God said, my first commandment was how you judge people is how I'm going to judge you. And, um, and he said, uh, and, and, and then he said, I will make you fish on him again. And it reminded me In the arena that you're ministering in, those are very important messages because you meet all. It's like you don't. They're just all kinds, and you. It, it's hard. It's hard sometimes dealing with them that you don't get. Yeah. Well, me and you have the same face. Our face betrays us. Will tell you everything. He'll be like, "Why she make me do that? Because you're stupid." I mean, I mean we, me and you are made without the filter. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so he runs around perfect? Is that what he's saying? Uh, he's oh, like, he's yeah. so perfect. <laughs> Pastors, how wrong they are. I'm like, who is this guy? That's what I did. Good morning. Good to see everyone. Are we ready to get started? Excited? Excited about dealing with the demonic? Part two. Hey, I heard a great quote this week. I'll just pass it on to you. We missed part. You missed part one. It's, Mike said it was the best. It was good. My, my mama told me it was good. Yeah. So, but anyway, I heard this great quote. This is where we'll start today. That you can, um, you cannot cast out the flesh and you can't crucify a demon. So what does that mean? You're supposed to crucify the flesh and you cast out demons. And as long as we keep that straight, as long as we keep that straight, we'll be doing good. Because sometimes we're calling things that are demonic that are just the flesh. And then there's a lot of times we are not dealing with the demonic because we're giving it cover in the flesh. But anyway, so as we start today, let's open in prayer. Let's just in, invite the Lord. I have a great testimony, though, as we're doing that, just speaking of inviting the Lord. Mike and Laney called today. They're in Thailand, of course, and it's all, they've already had Sunday there. You know, they always call me, and they'll say, hey, Sunday was a good day. You're in, you're in for good things. We've already tested it out. And so they called me early this morning. Yeah. So they called me early this morning, and when they first went on mission to um, Albania, Mike had an amazing dream. Good to see you. They had an amazing dream where... Um, the Lord showed up in his dream, Jesus, and he was talking to him. And Laney said he had never spoken in tongues. He'd never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he was speaking in tongues in his sleep. And she woke him up. And she's like, what are you doing? You're speaking in tongues. He's like, I am? He said, I was dreaming. He said, she said what were you dreaming about? He said, well, I was having a conversation with Jesus. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but he had never spoken in tongues in, like, while he was awake. You know what I mean? 
And so this morning in church, he said, I was just in church and I was just welcoming the presence of the Lord, welcoming the Holy Spirit. He said, that's all I was doing. They were just singing. I was just welcoming the Holy Spirit. I was just, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. He said, next thing you know, my English just changed to something I didn't even recognize. I thought that was great. I said, I said what did you do? He said, I shut that off. <laughs> he said, it freaked me out. <laughs> he said, I put mute. <laughs> but anyway... So I say all that to say this. We just welcome the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a way of showing up. So let's just welcome him right now. Father, we thank you. Lord, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We ask you to come into this place, God, and that you just open our hearts to receive your word. I know there are needs here. I know there are, there are so many things, Lord God. And I just pray that you would minister to every single person. I just ask most of all, Lord God, that you would open hearts to receive your word. And I just pray, Father, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see. And, Lord, that you give us discerning spirits, Lord, and teachable hearts. Lord, guide us in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so I want you to turn to Acts, the 19th chapter. Acts 19. Now, we all know we wrestle not. If it, just, if it was a period after that, that'd be great, wouldn't it? We wrestle not. Woo, go home. But we wrestle, don't we? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. So the person beside you is not your enemy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So non-flesh and blood principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, and high places. And so we, one of the main things that we talked about last week that I wanted the point to come across is that demons, they're not... Um, in culture, we've sort of said, people say all the time, I know you've heard this, I've got demons I'm trying to overcome. And they're talking about maybe addictions, or they're talking about struggles in their life, and they sort of use the term demon in a way, oh, it's just, I'm just overcoming my demons, sort of in a, a non-intelligent way, if you know what I mean. Not that they're not intelligent, but not that this is just sort of a an aura. It's a bad feeling. It's a, it's, a, it's a bad thinking, just some sort of a darkened thinking. And while that may be a measure of truth, the main thing to understand when we're talking about the demonic is we are not talking about just some bad feeling that you have in your life or around you. The demonic is intelligent evil principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, of spiritual wickedness in high places. That's intelligent evil. Now, why do I say that? Because what does, we learned last week, what does the devil desire more, any demon desire more than anything else? Cover. Cover. If you lay down cover, and so how do you lay, okay, if, you, if a person's talking about the demonic, oh, I'm just overcoming my demons. Do you see how they've domesticated that? They've just, they just made a pet. They've, well, they've just, they've just made it very, they've somehow relatable, comfortable. It's just my buddy and me. There you go. And so that's exactly, I love that. Right, so we see how we've domesticated it? But now, if I, if I take that same thing and I call a demon intelligent evil, intelligent evil, what, if something is intelligent, what's it going to do? It's going to master. It's going to... It's going to 
strategize. It's going to scheme. That's what we first see, the serpent. He was more subtle. He was wiser. And so when you're talking about the demonic, understand that you are making peace, if you call it my demons, with intelligent evil. That, that's all you have to do is just, let's just start the conversation. And then you, what you don't realize is this: there's a strategy going on. And the strategy is to kill, steal, and to destroy. Principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. So I want, first of all, us to take the, the covers off of the demonic. And let's say this is not just some entity or bad feeling or negative energy. I think that's the real key that people like to put it in the space of negative energy, positive and negative energy, real new agey, positive and negative energy. So as we, as we look, so we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So, and I also said last week, if you're in a fight and you're not fighting, you're in trouble. If you're in a fight and you're not fighting, you're in trouble. You're already, I didn't know I was in a fight. You're in trouble. You're already whipped. So that's what we're always watching. So, but the Bible says not to fear. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So we do wrestle. We wrestle um, in our lives. We wrestle in the, in the lives of others because demons use people. That's just a fact. But do they, do they live in the atmosphere too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as maybe, because we know from the Bible, Daniel, that there was the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece. That was not a human entity. That was a demonic entity that had worked over the entire government structure of Persia and then Greece. So we know that, gov- that, that demonic entities, intelligent evil, can preside over nations, over cities, over families, over individuals. This is intelligent evil, has structure, has organization, has strategy. So those are, those are the things we're looking at. So we'll unpack that more as we go along. So Acts 19, we're going to begin reading in verse 13. This is a very informative little story that I'm glad the Word of God includes. Acts 19 and 13 says this, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits. Okay, who are we talking about? Some Jews. Just some Jews. They were not believers in Christ. They were, they were exorcists. You know, you got a demon problem. You got, a, you got a termite problem, you call the exterminator. You got a demon problem, you call the exorcist. Who are you going to call? Oh, y'all are good. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, what, that's what we're doing here. So some Jews went, out drive, went around driving out evil spirits. They were getting money for this. They tried to invoke 
the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. I'm just making sure we know which one it is. Seven sons of Sceva, that's who they were, seven brothers. Sceva was their daddy. So these are the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest. So these were Levites, and Sceva was their daddy, the priest. He was in the line. If he's a chief priest, he's among the line of Aaron. The high, this is after, so Aaron was the high priest. All the Levites served in the temple, but not all Levites could go into certain places in the temple. Only Aaron's line could. So we know here these are of the line of Aaron because they are chief priests. They were doing this. One day, as they're out, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. They're doing this. One day... They were, the evil spirit answered them. Shall I? Jesus, I know. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? Then the man, now listen, the man. Now, yours may not have this. We'll talk about that. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them. Your translation may say, then the evil spirit jumped on them. It says the evil spirit. Yours says man. Man is put in for clarity because when you read it, it says then the evil spirit. What do you automatically think? Like the evil spirit jumped out of the man, right? And the, and the man just sort of fell on the ground because he was, you know, as we said last week, the meat sack, meat puppet, you know. I know, so he, but that's not what happened, is it? So, because what does a demon not have? And, and what do you most of the time need to, you need a body. You need somebody. We all need somebody, right? That's what the demons are singing. I need somebody. So that's what we're understanding here. Who do devils use? Anybody. That's what they're looking for. So the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating, seven, seven to one. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And I don't know why I'm somehow for the demons in this. I just realized that as I'm reading it. <laughs> I, I, I do feel that somehow. I'm, I'm going to deal with that later. Okay, maybe. In prayer. Okay. When this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living. Now listen to this. So he gets the demons. They try to. You've got the story, right? Now, now this whole thing gets told. I mean, Facebook, people were there. They, they had their phones ready. They instantly, I don't even know how y'all do it so fast, get to the video and start videoing. It would take me four. I'd be like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang, I don't know how y'all do it so fast. So, but so they're already videoing. They've got this. So when this became known to the Jews and the Greek living in Ephesus, so where are they at? That's where this is all taking place. They were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held 
in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, this is their spells, their secret teaching, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. I don't know how much it is, a lot of money. No, that's a lot of money. In several million dollars. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Wow, it's amazing to me what I noticed in this. A loss brought a great victory. A loss brought a great victory. You cannot, here's the message. How did that turn? How did that translate? How did a loss of these exorcists bring such a great victory? And here it is. And here's the, here's the lesson for our life. You cannot just add Jesus. You got to get rid of your inferior gods or your demons. You did. You can't, just add de- you can't just add Jesus to your demons. That's what the seven sons of Sceva were doing. You see, they had their, they had their, their Judaism, and they were going out and trying to, and trying to cast out demons. Using, they were like, we don't, we don't actually, we aren't actually submitted to the Lord. We haven't actually turned over the whole of our life to the Lord. We don't actually, haven't actually abandoned our sin. We haven't, because I'm bringing it now down to home. We haven't actually solely, completely, totally submitted to the Lord. We're still quite a bit, you know, the consumer Christians. You know what a consumer Christian is? I just go to this church, and and we've, you know, and I just nearly said something bad, but I didn't. It's, It's the church's problems that's happened. I saw it happening right after about 2003. Started, or it's when I became aware of it, coming down the pipe. Seeker-sensitive movement. We're just going to get the church so palatable. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We, want, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to confront people's We want to create a place. Now, no one said this, but this is what happened. We want to create a place where we give the demons as much cover as they need to be comfortable. Now, it's why it's rampant now is because that's become the new normal for church. And so if you stand up in a church and you preach against sin, you know, like sleeping with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're not married, you're sleeping with them. That's still called adultery. That's, it's still called it. But you're like, yeah, but everybody does it. Everybody who wants to burn in hell. You're like, Andrew, you can't say, see, see if that bothers you. You see what I mean? You're like, that's how you know. You've been infected with that seeker sin. Like all of a sudden, sin just feels better than truth. It's, they will call, they will call good evil and evil good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not being hard. I, this is the same word I read, right? And so when I look at this, we're like, yeah, but no one can live that way. No one who's not born again. 
You say, I can't live that way. Well, then get saved. I'm not saying that to be, I'm not saying that to be trite. I'm not saying that to be mean because I, I couldn't live that way until I got saved either. I mean, Mike, the night you were saved, you said, I've tried this before, Lord, and I can't do it, right? Had you tried to be saved and yet you failed? You tried to add Jesus to your other demons? You just tried to add him. I'll, I'll be good. You tried to be good. When you say you tried to be good enough, what you're saying is I tried to do it without surrendering. I, I tried to add what I perceived was good because what is good enough? I mean, what is good enough? That's going to require you coming up with your own false set of standards and trying to live by them. And here's what happens when I set my own standards and try to live by them. If I fail on one of my standards, it's so easy, y'all. I just adjust my standards. I just keep lowering my standards to the point that I, I mean, I could, anybody would measure up. Hitler measures up. You see what I'm saying? This is ridiculous. So you're saying, but who can live this way? Someone who's born of the Spirit. So here we have this, and we have what the people saw is this exposed something to them. We've got these guys running around who are supposed to be preeminently righteous. They're priests. They're out doing God's work, casting out devils. That sounds right, doesn't it? Maybe they're going to be the ones in that day who said, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? You don't think it's been them guys? Not after this. They got a butt whooping. <laughs> so we see this. But what, did the, what message was sent to the community? They knew. They knew. They knew Jesus. And then what did it, as a result, tell them about their life? That you can't just add. We, we got all this sorcery, and we understand magical arts, but we just can't. We, we understand stuff, but we can't just add Jesus in to our already existing lifestyle and expect that it's going to turn up anything good. And so what it did is it, it started a total revolution of their behavior. So much so that the things that they held in high value they completely drugged them out into the streets and they started a bonfire. The things that were valuable to them, the things that they had held on to for security and comfort, the things that they identified themselves with, they now were willing to take those things and to cast them out into the street and to start a fire and use them as fuel. And that is what we have to have in our life if we're going to stand against the demonic. Not some little version. Now, when I told you the story, when I cast that lesbian spirit out of that girl, I could just pull up the picture of her. I mean, I have a picture of her saved. She was there a year later. I didn't know she was 13. She looked 23. Her mother had brought her to the altar. I was like, I mean, she was, 
Every time I would get near her, she'd look like an animal. She was manifesting a demon. Her eyes were black, and she was growling and hissing and telling me, No! With clawed hands. Raving. And I had hundreds of women there, and I would go and pray for other ones. There were more demons manifesting that day than I've ever seen in my life. I was like, dear God. They weren't all as hard as hers. So I was like building up some muscle over here, you know. I mean, I was hoping, honestly, what was I hoping? Uh, what was I hoping that she'd give up? Their mom would give up. That's terrible. You're like, Andrew, you can't say that. Well, that's, it's real, though. You know, you're like not being effective. If you're not being effective with someone, what do you think? I mean, you're like, oh, God, this is getting terrible. But I'm going on, and I'm like, Lord, you know. I mean, you know, you have to believe that. You know, you're not just like living there. You're like, that's a thought. Maybe they'll leave. You know? And so then I, they're not going. Our mothers, I mean, this mother wants this 13-year-old daughter delivered. I mean, she's going by a boy's name, and she's wanting to transition. And so I finally, I mean, it, I've, been, I've been there hours, right, Mike? I, come, I would come back by her all the time, and it's still just the whole show. And so I'm finally, I mean, it's like, I did. So I said in my mind, I looked at her. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. You're going to have, Holy Spirit, if, if you want this girl delivered, you're going to have to give me some insider knowledge of what to do. And before I knew what I was saying, words were just spilling out of my mouth. Words I was like going, you know, as they're saying them, you're like, you want to pull them back a little bit? You're not knowing what they even mean? I said, I said, okay, devil, if you are more powerful than Jesus, then cast him out of me. I said, but if you're not more powerful than Jesus, then you have to go. And that girl screamed in that voice of that demon, no. I said, no, none of that. I'm tired of your show. I'm tired of this. I said, cast Christ out of me if you can. Come on, do something to me. Cast Christ. I just, then I'm in it. You know, I'm in it now. I'm like, cast Christ out of me. Do it now. Do it now. Cast Christ out or you go. I mean, I'm screaming. I'm, and when I did that, that demon screamed. That's what it says in the Bible. And demons screamed as they left their bodies. She screamed, a blood-curling scream. And her, she just, just went, just fell on the ground. Just laid there. I'm like, oh, Lord, I wish I'd done that a long time ago. But I had to get to the place to where I was thoroughly convinced that Jesus was bigger. And he was, and I knew I had the authority. See, as long as I don't know for sure if I have the authority, I don't. I don't. It's when it came down to, I'm like, I'm putting myself, and that's my first thought. I'm putting myself on the line to be one of the seven sons of Sceva. She may just jump on me. She may call my bluff. I mean, it wasn't a bluff. I mean, I'm, I'm saying the words, but see, those things are in my brain. What if this, see, I've got to know that I know 
And I didn't know I knew it until I said it, and then it did. I'm like, now I know it. And then that, and that girl, we help her up, and she's crying. We get her up off the floor, and she's just weeping. And she's hugging us, hugging us. And she's crying, and she's so excited. She's just, she's just so thankful, so thankful. And she's t- and her name is, her name is I, ne- I didn't know her name then. I didn't know it until a year later, Jules. And I look back at her, and I thought she had the darkest, blackest eyes I'd ever seen. So much so, I, I like, when I was praying for her, I thought, that is weird. It was a demon. And when she, she had the color of your eyes, Yvonne, when she looked at me. The light, these light, clear blue eyes that Yvonne has. That's what she, I thought. I noticed it. I asked Mike, I said, did you see her eyes? They changed color. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I went, yeah. So I went back a year later, and I wondered. I thought, I wonder if she... You know, I wonder if she stayed. I wonder if she stayed free. Because you got to stay free. Yeah. And so, and when I walked in the door, she was waiting on me. And she said, do you remember me? I went, yes, I remember you. She said, I go to this church now, and I'm being discipled, and I use my girl name. I mean, that's, see, that is seeing a person set free from intelligent evil. That's, that's what we're called to do. And see, we have to have an understanding. And I'm telling you, sometimes it doesn't just happen that easy. I mean, that wasn't easy. That was, I mean, by the time I finished praying for all those women that day, I wasn't just exhausted. There was not a, people wanting to hug me. Every bit of my clothing was soaking wet, was sweat. My hair was hanging in just like ribbons on my head like I just played uh, four quarters of basketball in Mississippi in August. And I've done that. I mean, just wet, just dripping sweat. And, and that's just, see, that's, that's just sometimes the cost of admission. And that's what, we're, that's what we're called to do. But we have to understand our role. We have to understand who we are and how we are. So... Let's look now at 1 Corinthians 10. Because I, I believe that we can see a revival that challenges the spirits in this area. Do y'all believe that? It's not going to be free admission, is it? You know what, you know what it's going to cost us? It's going to cost us the, the, the flirtation with the demons in our own life. And it's, it's going to cost us this. Now, we're going to talk about this. Well, let's just read. Okay, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 20. 1 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 20. Rather, oh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. Okay. Rather, that the things with the gen- which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. Y'all there? 1 Corinthians 10, 20. Rather, the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to who? demons and not to God and I do not want you to have fellowship with demons that word there fellowship is the Greek word koinonia it's the same fellowship you have with God and with the body of Christ 
You break bread, koinonia. When we have communion, the word communion, to take holy communion, is koinonia. And Paul says, I don't want you to have koinonia. I don't want you to have fellowship. I don't want you to participate in the table of demons in the same way that you can participate in the table of the Lord. I mean, that's pretty. I'm, Paul is, is going for it. I don't want you. He's talking to believers. Who's he talking to? Believers. I don't want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord. See, we're talking communion. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. Not that you, it's not able, because they're able, aren't they? This is a should not. You cannot partake in the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Here, he, this is, should be in quotes in your Bible. All things are lawful. That's what the Corinthians were saying. And Paul says, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all edify or build up. Let no one seek his own. Oh, here's the true thing right here. This is where it's going to stick us all right in the eye. Y'all ready? Let no one seek his own, but each one others' well-being. Gosh. The well-being of another. So there are many things I have found in my life in the years of ministry that I, I do not have, I have the, I'll put it this way, I have the ability in many places, but not here. This is not a matter of conscience. This is a matter of don't do it. Don't go eating the, the table of demons. But there are many things in my own life that it could be a matter of conscience for another person, right? But it's not a matter of conscience for me. And I'm not talking about like this does no, nothing that's already on the sin disapproved list in the Bible. You can't, in other words, you can't say, well, I don't really, lying is not really, doesn't really impact my conscience. See, you know, because you're a liar, you know, lying is a sin. It, it's not about conscience. I mean, you know, adultery is just not really a conscience. Bear. It doesn't really impact my, my conscience. See, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that, that another person may say, you know what, that is, I feel like that could be wrong. And it's not, it's in, the, it's in the grave. You know, there's a lot of things like that. I can honor another person's conscience. I can honor another person's conscience without dishonoring my own. So I can prefer another person's conscience over my own, another believer's conscience. See, some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about? Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Mike, you mind if I tell the story? Because I've got it with the, it's otherwise it's going to be a big blank spot in the, or you can come up here. She came in and she was a stripper. And now she 
um, when she came in, a part of her, a part of her lifestyle was that she tanned. She went to a tanning bed, you know? Is that what you're going to say? She went to tanning beds. And she felt as though it were wrong for her to continue to tan. A tanning bed. Now, there's a lot of reasons not to go to tanning beds. It's bad for your skin. You know what I mean? But for her, it was a matter of conscience. Because it was something that she did in preparing herself for that pole. You know what I mean? That was a part of her lifestyle as a stripper in getting ready for that performance. So she felt as though she was not allowed to tan. But see, when people make, that's a matter of conscience for her. You see what I mean? But what, but see, this is where people get it wrong. What if she, and she could have done this had she not been in a place in, in the environment. She was in our church. She had a lot of women around her, a lot of people to help her, mature people to help and teach her. What if she then said, God told me it's wrong to tan and went to every tanning bed with a picket sign going, you're going to hell if you tan. Another church, they had a prophetic word that came to them during the Vietnam War. That if none of their, if they stopped eating, they were to fast meat. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm judging the prophetic word. I'm just telling you the story. They had a prophet supposedly come to their church during the Vietnam War and said, if you will abstain from eating meat, all of your sons who are at war will come home. Well... Everybody abstained from eating meat except one woman, and her son was the only one who died. So they, I mean, not the, but now, this is the problem. That church became vegetarians, and they teach that you should not eat meat. See how things get to be a matter of conscience and not? Like that, wait a minute, you're like, well, it was one thing to obey a prophetic word, and that might have been one thing. For that period, for that purpose. But it doesn't mean that everybody who eats meat is now wrong. See, that's a matter of, see, that's how you apply things. So, see, it's a matter of, with Missy, she didn't try to say other people can't tan. She understood that, and she may be able to now. I don't know. Once she grows up enough in the Lord and that's no longer a, a place of stumbling for her, that she may be, I don't care what she does, but that's, that's the thing. I'm not talking about making sin, areas that the Bible calls clear sin, a matter of conscience. We can't do that. It's already, it's, it's for, but there are things such as, I, when I'm talking about tanning, eating meat. Okay, that's where we say, if it's, if, it's, if it's offending your conscience, then don't do it. But here, here's the thing. I didn't plan women's meetings. I can honor her conscience without offending my own. I didn't plan women's meetings where we were going to load everybody up in buses and go tanning. You see what I'm, I'm not like, nor am I trying to tell her, oh, Missy, just tan in order to, maybe I tanned. I, I didn't, but what if I did? You know, Missy, let's go. You, it's all right for you to tan. I tan. It's fine. And make her offend her own conscience in that area. Yes. And it's safe because what it is is that whether I want to do it or not, what if, what if I'm around weak brothers and sisters who don't believe in eating meat or bacon? I mean, I know, we're like, they are weak. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like no bacon. Then am I going to, while I'm eating with them, 
order, you know, a side of bacon with a side of bacon. You know what I mean? If it's depending upon where they are with their conscience. See, that's what Paul's talking about when he's saying, I become all things for all men. See, there's a way to honor people's conscience with that. Now, I got completely off on a rabbit trail, and I had to explain that to you because that wasn't part of it. But see, now you know. Now you know that, see, there are things. And there again, conscience is not. There are certain things about adultery is adultery, homosexuality is homosexuality. You can't make those matters of conscience. You see what I'm saying? We know the difference, right? Don't walk out of here saying, well, my preacher said if I, you know, I can steal because it's not a matter of conscience. It's not what I'm saying. The, those, those are not matters of conscience. There are lesser issues that are matters of conscience. So let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. That's so profound right there. That is so profound that we seek another's well-being instead of our own. And it's not so profound, but it's what makes it so profound is, friends, it's so rare. And I don't want to do anything in my life that might cause you to stumble. And I, while I can't tiptoe around all of your insecurities, because at some point in my life, there may be a time for me to offend your insecurities in love. You know what I'm talking about? But we live in the context of that community. What is it? Eat some bacon. I'm out, you know, you're old enough now. You should be able to sit with me and watch me eat bacon, right? It, it comes to place. That's true. That's true. So as we look, Deuteronomy 32 says this. This is the only time you will see, Well, there's two times in the Old Testament you hear the word demon. The Hebrew word for demon is shade, S-H-A-D. Yeah, you don't have to go there. I'll read it to you. You can look at it if you want to. Deuteronomy 32, it's 16 and 17. And this is Moses' song. And they said, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. Speaking of the Israelites, provoked God to anger. They sacrificed to demons. They sacrifice to demons. Now, in the Old Testament, how many times do you, call, do, you, do you recall them saying and they made sacrifice to demons? You don't ever hear it. Oh, you hear idols? What do you hear? They made sacrifice to Baal, Moloch, Asherah. Okay, so now wait a second. These, these entities, what are they? Principalities powers, spiritual wickedness, and high places. So, okay, Hinduism. What are that? Is that another perfectly beautiful religion? It sounds pretty because what do demons love? Cover. But what are they making that when, they're, when, they're, when you see the little Buddha there in your, in, in your Chinese restaurant... And your, your nail salon, you know, you know, right? Y'all all, you see the little Buddha there? That's there. I want to go, nice demon. See, this is the word. See, we've, we've, cre- we've made these things different in our Western modern mindset. The Bible call, says that they sacrifice to demons. He's talking about Israel here. Whenever that whole situation, I won't take the time to prove this out. Maybe we'll do it another time because I just don't have the scriptures here. The time you remember whenever they hired Balaam to curse them. Do you all remember the story? It's in Numbers. 
Okay. And Balaam couldn't curse them, could he? He'd get up there and he'd be like, and he'd just turn into a blessing. And he'd just turn into a blessing. He'd just turn. I'm going to curse them from here. All you did is bless. See, that's what I love. You cannot curse what God has blessed. But they did get cursed, didn't they? How? Balaam said this. He said this. He said, look, I can't, I can't curse what God's blessed. But let me give you a little insider information. I'm going to tell you how to get them. It's the same way to get you. Invite them to your feasts. Don't make mean with them. Make nice. Don't, don't go at them with um, warfare. Go at them with a potluck. Make it seeker sensitive. Make it comfortable. And so, and so the king's like, oh, that's a great idea. I've been using the wrong strategy. See, that was the wickedness of Balaam, is he told them how to undermine Israel. He's getting money. He's getting money for this cursing. You know, he's a profiteer. He's a, P, he's a P-R-O-F-I-T. So, you know, here, here he comes. And then what happens, he's like, the, the king of Moloch that's a great idea. I will take Christians and invite them in to and make them comfortable with their demonism. I will create lifestyles where they sacrifice to their demons. In the name of good, of course, of course. So, so what happened was they invited to them to their feast. And the next thing you know, they didn't just get fat and lazy. There's, an, there's a flat-out orgy going on. An orgy. And this is Bible. This is rated R. You don't, I mean, you don't need Netflix. I mean, this is, this is rated R. I know. I mean, one of the priests is going in his tent with the princess. Her name is Crosby. She's the actual princess of the king of Molech and of Balak's daughter. And it's not good. It's exact. I'll just tell you what happened, how they killed them, and you'll know what they were doing. The priest comes into the, into the tent with a spear. Phineas, yeah, Phineas comes in because a plague is breaking out. See, Balaam couldn't curse them with a plague. But you bring idolatry in, and the, and the jealousy of the Lord breaks out among them. This is, this is word, y'all. And so Phineas comes in with a sword and goes into the tent of this Levite. And he stabs it through his back. And it goes all the way through him and through her. And it stops the plague. Because he was zealous for the Lord. Now some of you are like, this is terrible. I thought he was a, a God of love would never do this. That's why he did it. He loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. And this is the nation who's going to bring forth the son who's going to save the world. And he is jealous enough in his love for you to do whatever he has to to stop the plague of sin on this planet. Because should sin continue to go where sin always goes, it gets to the place where the God who gave the very breath to this world, extracting it again. That's called a flood. When you pour enough water on someone, it just takes the breath out of them. 
And that's what God did. He, he completely brought the world to judgment. When God wants to judge, what he does is he takes his breath away. When he takes his breath away from you, what happens? That's it. They're breathing. See, that's what people on this planet, every single second, you have, how many times have you taken a breath in here? <sighs> a lot of breath. Do you know that that's, and that's what's kept your life alive, right? It's always there, isn't it? Every time you reach out for oxygen, it's there. Every single time. Have you, it just, look, we're just doing it without even thinking. That's God's breath. And he breathed into Adam the breath of life. His very, his very name in Hebrew, yod heh vav yod vav It's supposed to make you think of breathing. yod heh vav It's supposed to make you think of it breathes. He breathes out and in. Every breath belongs to God. And so he doesn't want to have us sharing our life with demons. So let's not bring darkness, its practices, into the light. Because every time you bring darkness into the light, it just diffuses it and turns into a fog. It's kind of ironic. We have so many, I'm not against fog machines, but there's a lot of them. It's kind of like, is this prophetic? This is supposed to be the light, and we just add, keep adding fog. I mean, I'm not speaking against fog machines. I'm just I'm saying it, but whenever you diffuse light, it's called fog. We are called to bring light into darkness, not bring darkness into light. The question, here's a question for you. I, these are some questions that I want you to try to answer. Can a child of God fellowship with darkness? Can a child of God fellowship with darkness? Somebody should be uncomfortable, but can they? Is it possible? 100%. <laughs> We've seen enough of the world to know it's possible, right? Okay, should they? No. Okay, here's another question. Does the willing fellowship with darkness open the door to darkness in your life? What are some doors? What are some doors to darkness that we, we conveniently, we've made real common in our, in our society? And I'm not trying to, I'm just want, I'm wanting you to help me here. Doors of darkness that you think in, our, in, your, in just everyday life. Now, because I have a feeling that probably the king of Moloch is not knocking on your door. And it, okay, right there. I don't want to see two guys kiss again. Witch, okay, witchcraft. That is a big one. And now here, she, she mentions a great one because witchcraft is so mainstream right now. I mean, Taylor Swift in her last, who many saw? I just looked it up because I wanted to see it. Taylor Swift's last video, I don't know if it's the last one or not. Something about Will, I don't know. She's a witch. She's doing a love, she's doing a, casting a love potion. She's out in the woods doing this whole witchcraft thing. You know, and now, because I, I, when I'm studying this, it came up that people who go to Taylor Swift concerts are coming out with amnesia because it's suspected that she's doing some sort of witchcraft. I'm well, so we have, we have witchcraft. I mean, my, my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter, we were shopping at a toy store. And she said, I want this toy. And I went, cast 98 spells? 
It's a child's toy that teaches the little girls how to cast. It has 98 spells. She said, all my friends have this toy. I want it. And Lainey was like, you're not getting that. Why not? All my friends have it. I mean, little witches in training? So what are some doors? There's witchcraft is so prevalent. No, it's, it's, like, it's like child bite size. It's Happy Meal. It's Happy Meal witchcraft. Is that fellowshipping with demons, do you all think? Or is that just fun? What else? What else is um, open doors? Fellowshipping with demons. Where do we let darkness in? YouTube. Ah, look, how? How? How do you mean? Is all YouTube bad? No, but I no? explained this to my son. My son, mm-hmm. uh, he's a fresh Christian, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know the rules. So he shouldn't be going to tanning beds. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I said, because if you don't think that those demonic beings in there, that, that Satan knows yep. the word well enough to twist it around. So easy. That's right. And here's the problem. And I'm glad you brought that up, Tim. That's a great, that's a great thing because here's the problem. We, since 2020, we've started this whole, I, go, I don't go to church anymore. I go to YouTube. I, online, you get all this from online. The problem is, is that, that's right, for sure. But see, the problem is, is that you've got someone up there speaking to you spiritual truth, so to speak, that you haven't vetted? How do you not vet it? You don't know what kind of submission, what kind of authority are they under? How do they live? You don't, you don't get to see their life. You don't get to see how they live with their wife. You don't get to see how they treat their kids. You don't get to see where they, how they keep their life. You don't get to see any of that, do you? Now, why would, I mean, that would be a great way, but they are, they're charismatic and they, and that they, you know, they're attracted to people, they speak well, but you don't get to vet them at all, at all. Do you see the danger in that? And then, and then they can craft, they craft things just slightly, slightly, but they won't, here's a number one thing, a person who will not come under spiritual authority is not walking right. They're not. If they won't submit themselves to a body, I mean, you've got to be in a body. That's, you've got to be in a body. And what do I do in this body? Well, I'm telling you what you do. You look at, number one, you look at the leadership that's over you. And you say, well, how do they live their life? What is their relationship like? How do they, how do they look? And, get, you know, I'm not saying, am I supposed to judge you? Yeah, kind of. Check my fruit. Get to know that person. See if when you get... See if they're accessible to you. Beware of people that feel like they've got this inaccessibility, that it's a touch, you can't touch the anointing, you can't do this. They've got, some sort of a, they've got some sort of a stand back here, I'm too anointed for you to be in my presence. Beware of that person, they're hiding. Right, right. That's it. And the Bible also says, try the spirits. Well, how many spirits are there? Let's name the spirits. Name spirits for me. How many spirits are there? Holy Spirit? Demon spirits? One more spirit, y'all. Human spirit. That's right. Human spirit? Godly or, you know... Angel spirit, demon spirit. 
Those are the spirits. So you try a person. Is this just human? Is this just flesh? Because we can't, I already told y'all, you can't crucify the flesh. I mean, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. You can't crucify a demon. You crucify the flesh. You can't cast out the flesh. You crucify it. So that's where, that's where we're working at here. So we open these doors to darkness in our own life. So can a, okay, so we've got that. To what degree can a, do, a door be opened? I feel like you can open it as wide as you possibly want to, can't you? Can a darkened influence be exerted over a believer to the point that they become enslaved to it? To a believer. They're not. It's right. We kind of, we sometimes omit them, don't we? So, so we can. We can. Now, other places that we open doors, YouTube, what we watch, what, what we take pleasure in. S-H-A-D. Mm-hmm. Shade. Well, it, yeah, it's true. Yeah, the shade. The shade. It's what, it's shade is a, is a Hebrew for that. So we've, we find, we understand. We've got just a few more minutes. So these questions that we have. Now, here's my whole point in all of this. Is that when we, as children of God, 1 John 5 and 19. Here's John. We know that we are children of God. How many of you know that? And that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Did you know that? It's, this is, yeah. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. And we are the children of God. Here's how the New King James says it. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. So, how did the whole world get under the sway of the evil one? Perfect. Genesis 3.15, the fall. Provided the cup. Excellent. The flesh provides the cover. So here's what we have. We see in Genesis 3.15, what I call the thesis of the whole Bible. And your seed shall crush your seed, Satan. And you will bruise his head, and he will bruise your heel. Now, a bruised heel. How many would you rather have a bruised heel or a bruised head? It's a crush. A crushed head is what it means. He's doing defeat you. But what I always, what always stood out to me in that scripture is Satan has a seed. There's two seeds. Satan's seed and Eve's seed, which is Christ, ultimately, capital S. Seed, two seed. Years ago, I was doing study on generational curses because so many people wanted to know how to stop generational curses in their life. And I was just seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord. This is back in early 2000s. And I felt like the Lord showed me this scripture at that time. And he, and he said, there, there are. I said, Lord, what, what is Satan's seed? And so I was like, is it, is it lies? Is it, is it, is it um, death? Is it, is it you know, sin? Is all these things seed? And it's like the Lord said, sort of. But where seed? What is his, what's the land that he sows his seed in? It's in fallen flesh. And so, see, then we become humanity. When I say we, humanity becomes the fertile ground, the womb, to sow the seed. Yeah, oh, I don't want to do it to Brian. Brian will get freaked out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Body, soul, and spirit. 
So our soul is the man in the middle. When we're born of the spirit, our soul then has been so attached to our flesh. He's got some problems with this. I don't know. He's got to get over this bacon. So, so our soul is so attached to our flesh. But when we're born again, we struggle. Here's the struggle. It's like. Getting our mind, our will, and our emotions attached to our born-again spirit. And that is what transforms our mind. So that we stop thinking like the world. We stop acting like the world. We stop living in that old culture. Because that is where Satan exploits humanity. is through an unrenewed mind. We're leaving now. Why do you think I want you to read your Bible so much? I'm trying to renew your mind. Now, this is one thing. Before we go, I want to say this. John assumes his experience. We are the children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the devil. He assumes his experience is also his reader's experience. And I wish it were that no one except the world is under the influence of the kingdom of God. But that's the ideal experience. But Revelation 3, 15 through 19, Jesus speaking, I know your works that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot or cold. He's talking to a church here, the church of Laodicea. So then because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel you to buy of me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may, nakedness, nakedness may be cons- re- May not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. So if I harmonize these two scriptures, this is what it's, this is Andrea. This is what it says to me. Okay, we are all gods. And the world is under the control of the evil one. That sounds very binary. But then I have Jesus saying, you're not living where I want you living. And I may spew you out of my mouth. And I'm like, which is it? Which is it? Here's how I harmonize those two. Christ can keep you. Jude says that. He's able to keep you from falling. But don't think that he has to be stuck with you. You see what I mean? That's how that works. Keith, he can keep you. But he won't be stuck with you. You see what I mean? You see what I mean by that? That there's, a, there's an onus on it. It'd be like a man and a woman getting married and then, and then the, the woman or the man going, it doesn't matter, we got a covenant and you're stuck with me and they're out whoring around. Right? I hear stuck with So that's what we need to be searching our life to say, God, I want to be approving to I want to be approved of you. And we're going to actually be getting into... I want y'all casting out devils, but I don't want you. You're like, she's like, oh, I don't know about that. But I don't want you having an experience of some demon going, who the heck are you? (laughs) That's what we're going to get to. See, we have to live in both of those realities, don't we? Let's go. Amen. That's right. I don't want you going, I want to cast out. In the name of Jesus and that Andrea preaches. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I want you to know him for yourself.